And is my mic on? Oh, there it goes. Yeah. Well, good morning. Happy long weekend. Uh, I think a few people are kind of missing. It's a hot one. Uh, you know, Asian Christians having a baptism later. So if you want to maybe just take a dip in the middle of the sermon if you're getting hot, just uh, feel free. Actually, no, don't do that. Uh, but yeah, it's Labor Day. Uh, although I think for our family, it doesn't really feel like Labor Day to us because all my kids already started school. So it's not really the last weekend of before, you know, while well, summer's over, we're already into back to school mode. Uh, but speaking of school and homework and all those things, uh, I hope you've been doing the homework that I gave you last week, which was to be reading through uh, on your own time sort of the book of 1 Thessalonians, this letter that Paul wrote uh, to the church in Thessalonica. I uh, hope you've been doing that. If you have, even if you haven't gotten very far into it, you're still likely to have read uh, the words that we have in our passage this morning, uh, because we're coming to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 to 10. Uh, and I'd ask you, if you have your Bibles, open them up to me as we look at that passage. And before we just sort of read that, quick review, we've only had one sermon on this so far, but remember, this church in Thessalonica was founded by Paul on his second missionary journey. Um, but he only had three weeks. He had three Sabbaths in order to preach there before Paul was sort of run out of town by this angry mob. But even though it was only three weeks, the testimony of this church uh, just continued to grow as they were rooted in faith and hope and love. That's what we looked at last time. And now in our passage, Paul goes on to talk about how the faith of this church has now affected others around them. How their faith has just, it's been a witness as the gospel of Jesus Christ is spreading to the world around them and because of them and what this church is doing. Because this Christianity of the church in Thessalonica had really become contagious. It was spreading far and wide. So whether you're here in person, whether you're joining us online, follow along with me as I read our passage this morning from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verses 4 to 10, where Paul writes to them, this, for we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all of the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned from God, from idols, to serve the living, true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, just again, be with us in a very powerful way this morning. Uh, Lord, prepare hearts to hear this truth. Uh, Lord, that we might receive it with, with joy. And that, Lord, it would find good soil to grow. Uh, Lord, that this truth might be transformational in our lives. Be with me as I speak, Lord, that you would give me strength, you would give me focus. And, Lord, you would, you would allow me to decrease so that you can increase. Uh, and that, Lord, we would just truly see and hear Jesus uh, and his truth 
proclaim this morning. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, a few years ago, I heard about a book that was written back in the 1980s. And the book was called, The Policeman's Beard is Half Constructed. Uh, And it's filled with essays and poems and limericks and sort of little stories and even little conversations. And if you think that's sort of a strange title for a book, uh, you would actually be right because something unique about this book was that it was written entirely by a computer. Uh, Some programmers back then came up with this idea of trying to teach a computer how to compose words and phrases and even thoughts in English. And some examples of these great thoughts produced by this computer were, were this one. Uh, enthralling surgeons will dance quickly with tripping stenographers. They will yodel their dreams to the stenographers who will answer and respond, we ponder that hedges are like bushes. <laughs> wow, that's deep, isn't that? Boy, probably get a grant from the government if you <laughs> put that out there. Um, and then there's this deep question that the computer asked. It said, I'm afraid of idle tapeworms. What are you afraid of? This is kind of kind. I don't know. Uh, it also poemed a lovely song that goes a little something like this. Instant, I don't know the tune. Instantly they recognized that winging doves were as appalling as their contracts, that sashaying brothers guided their hearts through angry dreams. Uh, I don't have a clue what any of that means. I'm not sure after hearing that why we thought it was a good idea to let computers help us drive cars. Um, but there was actually one thing in this book that this computer wrote that actually did cause me to sort of stop and think for a moment. Because it asked the question, is having a soul contagious? And I guess, that's, I mean, it's a silly question. It's just kind of wrapped up in all that other kind of stuff. But to be honest... That actually may be something worth thinking about. Is the soul contagious? Is there there something about our lives that other people can catch? Is there something inside us that can infect and affect the others around us? Can our lives, can our souls, can our faith be contagious? And I think about that especially as we come to this passage this morning. Because what we see happening in the church in Thessalonica could in many ways be described as a contagious outbreak. It's not an outbreak of a disease. It's an outbreak of the gospel. It's an outbreak of faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul describes it to us like this in our passage, uh, skipping down to verses 8 and 9. He says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned uh, to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Paul's saying to this church, he's saying, you know what? As I continue to travel around to share the gospel, everywhere that I'm going lately, the gospel's got there before I did. Because of what you are doing. And the people of Thessalonica, they weren't only sharing their faith, they were also telling people about Paul and his team and their time with them. So when Paul, I mean, think about this, Paul gets to a new town to share the gospel, and even before he opens his mouth, people look at him and say, hey, aren't you that guy that was in Thessalonica uh, that, you know, who told them about Jesus? Yeah, we've heard of you. We we, kind of knew you were coming because of all of the stuff we've been hearing about you. The word was spreading so fast out of this church. 
It was almost hard to keep up. So what was it about the Thessalonian church that, that caused them to share their faith in such a powerful way? What was it that allowed this message to, to spread and travel so far? What was it that allowed it to spread so quickly? Well, that's actually what we want to look at this morning. As is, is Paul is really here talking about some of the factors that as we as Christians ought to have if we too want to have a contagious faith. And he begins in verse 4. As he says to them, For we know, brothers, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. And you know what? Something that makes our faith so contagious is quite simply the message of God's love for his people. It is a message that God loves us and that he has chosen us to be his own. You know, that's something I think people desire to hear. That sense that they, they have value in the sight of God, that they want, God wants us to belong to him. He wants to make us his own. People need to hear that. And that's, that's a truth that speaks deeply to the hearts of the people around us. You know, that's why some people hold up that John 3.16 verse at, at football games. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And imagine hearing that truth for the first time. How captivating that must be. To hear the truth that God loves people so much that he refused to let them die in their sin. So he sent his own son to die on the cross in our place to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven and we could be with him and so that God could make us his own, that God loved us and he chose us. There's a story told by Lee Strobel about a woman who had an affair with an American soldier during the Korean War. An affair that left her pregnant. And shortly afterwards, you know, the war was over. The soldier went back to the United States. And the daughter uh, from, this, from this marriage ended up abandoned and, and living on the streets for a few years. Until finally, this young child made her way to an orphanage. And one day, not long after she arrived, word came that there was a couple from America who was coming looking to adopt a little boy. Well, this little girl was assigned the task of cleaning up all the little boys that day. And, you know, she spent the day giving them baths and combing their hair and dressing them up in, you know, the best clothes that they could find, all the while wondering which of these children was going to be the one that was chosen. Well, the next day when the couple finally arrived, the couple came in and they began to look over their children. And in the, the words of this girl, she said, I was nine years old. But I didn't even weigh 30 pounds. I was a scrawny thing. I had worms in my body. I had lice in my hair. I had boils all over. I was full of scars. I was not a pretty sight. But the man came over to me. And he began rattling away something in English. Then he took his huge hand and he laid it on my face. And he said, I want this child. This is the child for me. And the orphanage tried to talk them out of it. They talked about the suffering this little girl had gone through, the trauma that she had experienced, the problems with their health. But they wouldn't budge. They said, we've got to have this child. This is the child we want to adopt. And they did. They named her Stephanie. And they loved her just like they were, she was their own biological child. And they made her their own. 
And that's the power of God's love for us. As he has chosen us and he has loved us. With all of our sins, with all of our faults, with all of our flaws, with all of our mistakes, God said to each one of us, I want you to be my child. You are the one for me. And he made us his own. And if you want people to respond to your faith, tell them about that kind of love. Because the truth is, good, bad, or ugly included, God loves you. And he wants you to be his own. And that's part of what makes our faith so contagious. But then how then is this faith spread? Because, you know, things that are contagious are spread in different ways. Uh, we know this, especially with COVID. You know, colds are through droplets, so we cover our sneeze. Uh, COVID had that close contact thing, so we all washed our hands until they were raw and hurting. You know, malaria has mosquitoes. Everything spreads differently. But when it comes to the gospel, look at what Paul says in verse 5. It says, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And Paul's telling us here that contagious faith depends on two things in order to spread. First, it depends on people proclaiming the gospel to other people. Gospel comes to us in word. That's why Paul took, you know, the message of Jesus Christ to the Thessalonian church in the first place. He, told, he went there to tell people about Jesus. And that makes complete sense to us because if you want people to know about Jesus, you have to tell them about Jesus. Faith is not spread by osmosis. You can't make Christians just by standing in the same room together with another Christian. It doesn't, it's, we need to speak words. And that means we need to get out there as Christians where people need to hear this truth. You know, I remember when our kids were young and, and you know, we wanted them to get chicken pox. Uh, so what do you do when you want your kids to get chicken pox? Well, you wait until somebody else gets chicken pox, then you stick them all in a room together for a few hours, hoping they all catch the chicken pox. You get your kids into close proximity to someone who's sick because that's the way chicken pox spread. Well, you know what? Same with our faith. If our faith is going to spread, we need to get ourselves to the places where the people are. People who need to hear. That's what the Thessalonians did. They took that message of the gospel to others. I mean, they took it with them to the marketplace when they went shopping. They took it to the places where they worked. They, they talked about it with their neighbors on the street. And as they traveled, they told the people they met along the way about this good news of Jesus Christ. It seems that they told everyone they could and took every opportunity to tell others the truth about Jesus. Kind of remembers, it reminds me of that, that old saying that's attributed to Billy Graham when someone asked, Billy, what's the secret of your ministry? And his answer was, I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. And that's what this church was doing. And that's what she, we should all be doing. So go make some friends outside of this church. Get involved in your community. Join a sports team. Volunteer. Get involved in a club. But go out there, you know, and get yourself out there and meet new people. Build new relationships. Take people out for coffee. Have them over for dinner. But get yourself near the people who need to hear the gospel. And when that moment comes, you can tell them about Jesus. But as you do that, we also need to remember that we're not alone in this adventure. Because in verse 5, Paul also mentions that the gospel came in power and in the Holy Spirit. So while we do have a part to play in sharing the gospel, we cannot forget that it is the Holy Spirit 
who has the real power behind sharing our faith. Because God is essential to this process. God is the only one who can change a person's heart. God is the one who convicts people of sin. God is the one who removes a person's spiritual blindness that allows them to see the truth of who Jesus Christ truly is. God is the one and the only one who can bring a person to a place of repentance. So very important we need to know when it comes to having a contagious faith is knowing that God is always with us. And we may have the privilege of being the person who gets to share the gospel with others, but God is the one who's the true power behind it all. And that's how a contagious faith spreads. As we proclaim the gospel in word through the power of the Holy Spirit at work around us. Which brings us to what we might call now the symptoms of our contagious faith. I remember with COVID, uh, I think probably one of the most frustrating things about COVID was that everything seemed to be a symptom. Do I have COVID? Well, I'm sneezing. You've got COVID. You must have COVID. I'm sleepy. Well, COVID, right? I'm hungry. That's probably COVID too. You probably, I, you know, I, I put mismatched socks on this morning. Well, studies show that's now a symptom of COVID. Everything was COVID. It was crazy. In the end, you couldn't know if you had it for sure if without a test. But you know what? When it comes to contagious faith, there are definite things that we actually can see happening in our lives that show us that this faith is real. So what are these symptoms of a contagious faith? Well, Paul lists a bunch. Uh, First, uh, he tells us that contagious faith is is systemic. Um, Verse 5, he continues, you know, that we learn contagious not only comes in power in the Holy Spirit, but it comes with a full conviction. And, you know, I I, kind of hate comparing the gospel, keep comparing the gospel to disease, but you know, each disease that attacks affects some part of the body. Influenza, it affects the lungs and the, the respiratory system, stomach flus, the GI tract, meningitis is the brain and spinal cord. But, but Paul is kind of saying here, when it comes to faith, contagious faith, that it's something that affects every single part of a person's life. It's full conviction. See, contagious faith doesn't just change what a person is doing on Sunday mornings. Contagious faith changes how a person lives every moment of their lives. It changes how you are at work. It changes your hobbies, your, your recreation, your marriage, your family, your friendships, your thoughts, your will, your desires. It changes everything. And Paul later writes those words, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's the new creation, the old is past, the new has gone. Contagious faith utterly and completely transforms us. Full conviction. When contagious faith gets a hold of us, nothing is unaffected because it's systemic. And that actually very much leads us to the second aspect of uh, this faith that Paul talks about, what, that it, it, it makes changed lives. Verse 5 continues. He says, You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. You know, when we see... Christ-likeness being imitated, when we see Christ-likeness within us, when, you know, we see our character being transformed, when we see people, you know, people see us acting in different ways, they know something has happened. When people see a changed life, they know something is going on deep inside of us. When people see things in our life like love and truth and integrity and peace and a commitment to holiness and us drawing near to God. When they see those things going on in our lives, they take notice. 
A changed life is a powerful testimony in and of itself. You know, Paul says later in verse 9, says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You know, he's saying the people in this town noticed that these Christians had gone from worshiping idols to worshiping God. They noticed they weren't at the pagan temples anymore or the pagan feasts. Or, you know, they noticed instead they were out serving God, the one true and living God in the community. And you know, even people who are hostile to the church will take notice of a life changed for Christ. One of my favorite stories, probably I think I may have told this one before, but it comes from a pastor who used to tell about a very interesting classmate that he used to have uh, in Bible college. Uh, his friend's name was Shannon. And Shannon was the kind of guy that, you know, he had his hair dyed a different color each week. He had you know, a bunch of earrings in his ear. It was the 90s, so, you know, he wore the loose grunge-style clothing. Just, you know, maybe not the typical Bible student, I guess, but he says one of the most interesting points of this guy's style was his shorts. He wore shorts regardless of the weather, rain, snow, anything. He always had shorts, and he always wore his shorts the wrong way. He always wore his shorts backwards. So, I mean, you can imagine, Bible college, this guy sticks out like a sore thumb. And one day, this pastor in training, he couldn't stand it any longer. So he just asked the question. He said, Shannon... Why do you always wear your shorts backwards? And to his surprise, Shannon was ready with an answer. Shannon turned to him and said, I'll tell you, just like I tell everyone else who asks me why I wear my shorts backwards. Because I tell them, God turned my life around so fast my pants couldn't keep up. That's a great testimony. That's a changed life. And you know, in Christ, you see that kind of change firsthand. You know, I've seen people in the bondage of addiction find freedom in Christ. I've seen people of selfishness become people of generosity. I've seen criminals become men of integrity. I've seen hard hearts come to a place of repentance. I've seen marriages saved. I've seen families healed. I've seen people renewed. I've seen lives changed because of Jesus Christ. And the world, when the world sees that kind of transformation, they almost can't comprehend it, but they know something miraculous is going on. Because contagious faith is seen in a transformed life in Christ. And then a third symptom of our contagious faith that Paul mentions here would be the joy that we have in our lives in Christ. Joy even in our affliction. As verse 6 continues, For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all of the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Chuck Swindoll once commented that, he said, A long-faced, heavy-hearted attitude has now invaded the ranks of Christianity. Visit most congregations today and search for signs of happiness and sounds of laughter. And you will often come away disappointed. And he rightly says, I find that inexcusable. Because joy should be a hallmark of our faith. But it isn't always. It's another story about a conference that was held at a Presbyterian church in Omaha. Uh, and they, what they did is they filled a bunch of helium balloons. 
And the people were given the helium-filled balloons during the, during the course of the conference, and they were told to release their balloons at some point during the service when they felt like it just expressing joy in their hearts. I guess because they were Presbyterians, they weren't allowed to say hallelujah or praise God or put their hands up. So they had balloons. You can let go of a balloon. And all through the service, you know, balloons ascended kind of one at a time. But when it was over, a third to half of the balloons were still unreleased. Church, this morning it's time to free your joy. It's time for your joy to be an example to others, like the joy of the Thessalonians. It's time for your joy to become contagious. Because you know what? God likes fun. God made puppies. God made grandmas. God made ice cream taste delicious. God wants us to enjoy life, not just endure it. Be willing to let go of your balloon because your joy is a symptom of your faith. God wants us to know joy in Him. And that joy is available even in times when things are hard. It's not like happiness that really depends on our circumstance. Even when you know, others might be discouraged, even in affliction, Paul says, we can still know joy if we live in Christ because joy is bigger than our circumstances. It may not always be jump up and down kind of joy, but it should still be true joy rooted deep in our hearts because of Christ. Which brings us to the final symptom of our contagious faith. And that's hope. So you read in verse 10, Paul says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. You know, one of the things that I think makes disease so terrifying is that it always brings with it the fear of sickness and death. But in exactly the opposite way, what makes faith in Christ so contagious is that it offers people life and hope. And you know, we talked about this even just last week. But today, one of the things I continue to notice in the lives of the people around me is just the lack of hope. People are afraid. They're afraid of what tomorrow's going to bring. They're afraid of catching diseases. They're, you know, people are afraid, you know, and they just live without any real source of peace in their life. There's people living who feel like life just has no purpose and no meaning. People who go through struggles and hard times, and they just, they don't see anything beyond that. And so when their investments crash and their, their life is in a tailspin, when they lose a job, it seems like you know, just a shadow has fallen over their life. When a relationship ends, they often don't know, how am I going to go on? And when a loved one in their life gets sick or dies, they, they have a million questions, they have, they have no answers. There are people who, who are overwhelmed, people who live in this place of discouragement. People who know what it's like to have their dreams shattered, but they have nothing left. Nothing permanent. Nothing that really matters. Nothing that they can hold on to. It's a life without hope. And yet the good news of the gospel, the good news of our faith, the, the good news of Jesus Christ is that God has broken through that. That God has brought change. That God has provided us hope in his son, Jesus Christ. That Jesus was born in a manger to die on a cross for our sins so that we don't have to live in fear of God's wrath, but we can instead know the peace of God's forgiveness and that Jesus was died 
And he buried, and he was rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven. And that one day, and we believe it, it will be soon, he will come again for his people to make all things right. And that on that day when Jesus returns, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And we're told all weeping and mourning will pass away. And that we will join Jesus. And God will be with his people and he himself will be our God. And that we will be with the Lord forever. That's something to believe in. That is the hope that is ours in Christ. And that's part of what makes our faith so contagious. And that's the faith of this Thessalonian church that Paul describes to us here in chapter 1. And you know, times may have changed, you know, since Paul wrote that 2,000 years ago. But when it comes to a faith, it can still be as contagious in our world today as it was back in Paul's time. Because it's still a message that people need to hear. And it's a faith that we want people to know firsthand in their lives. And that's actually a good place for us to stop as we come once again to the communion table this morning. And you know, I was kind of I was thinking about it this week, well, last 